Good morning. Welcome to Resurrection Life Church. I wish you were here. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. There's a bunch of men in this room. and <laughs> So I told them, go home and bless your wives. It's Mother's Day. And I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the women out there, all the moms. I've been getting uh, text messages all morning, and thank you. I love you too. And uh, today's the day that we honor our moms, and it's a, it's a big thing. I uh, didn't get a chance to tell these men, the, the praise team you noticed was all, just a boy band this morning, and they were so anointed. I'll tell you what, I am so blessed to be in the house today because the anointing of God is here, and uh, they did an amazing job, so thank you. Um, but you need to know, if you plan on taking your wife to a restaurant for lunch, today is the busiest day of the year in the restaurant industry, and so you should have made a reservation, so you might be cooking. Uh, the reason that the greenhouses are all open, even though it's only 30 degrees out, is because it's Mother's Day. Today's the day that dads all over make moms breakfast in bed, I hope. And I hope it doesn't go like it did at our house one day. They brought me breakfast in bed, and, and it was this beautiful tray with pancakes and juice and a flower and all this stuff. And then it got right to the edge of the bed, and then it dumped uh, on the floor. And Pastor Rick had a really hard time getting over that one, but it was still a blessing to me. Um, today's the day that the homemade cards are going to come out of hiding, you know, except for, I don't know, school's closed, so hopefully you dads made some macaroni cards or whatever with your kids um, to honor mom. Dads, you have to teach your kids to honor mom, and um, my husband worked really hard at this. He did a great job teaching our kids how to make me feel special, not just today, but every day. It's your job, dads, and so get involved in that. Today, grandmas are going to be visited. Hugs are going to be shared. Smiles and tears are going to be happening all over today. Moms, you get to eat chocolates in front of your kids, and you don't have to share. I remember when my kids were little, I'd stick the chocolates like behind me on the couch, and they'd come in the room and go, can you smell that? And I'd be like, mm, I don't know. Today you don't have to share, moms. It's all about you. It's your day. And uh, we want you to be honored. I know that for some mothers this is a day of sadness and pain. And, you know, for myself, just like Pastor Rick mentioned, it was a, about a month ago maybe I was uh, at the grocery store and I started seeing all the Mother's Day things. And then it dawned on me. This is the first year in 60, almost 63 years that I have not had this day to honor my mom because she's no longer with us. I know in some families, relationships are strained. This day maybe isn't celebrated like Pastor Rick uh, started to say, and I apologize for shaking my head back there. That's such a distraction. But um, yeah, I had a very close friend whose son was murdered, not on Mother's Day, but it, Mother's Day was a day that she almost couldn't handle. And she would hide. She would not come to church. I, she probably avoided the stores, the malls, and all those places that celebrated moms because it wasn't a good day for her. It was heartache. It was pain. Loss brings heartache. And so for many, this isn't a great day to be celebrated. 
Some moms have lost children. Some children have lost moms. There's abandonment, rejection, fear. Um, pain can rule the day. And so um, I just want to encourage you today. I want to bless you today. It's my goal. If you were here, ladies, I would have brought you chocolate or maybe ice cream or maybe chocolate ice cream. And I would let you eat it right here in the sanctuary. We've done that before. And I would tell your kids, no, you don't get a bite. It's mom's day. And it is uh, her opportunity to have all the good stuff just for her. Honor must be taught. And dads, again, that is your responsibility. You need to teach your kids how to honor your wife. You need to teach them how to honor their mother. Now, my husband grew up without a mom in his home, and so for many, many years, he has given me the opportunity to speak on Mother's Day, and I'm, I'm happy about that. He, uh, because he doesn't have an example, he, uh, he thinks that I am like the best mom on the planet, and uh, it's because he has no other example, and my kids might disagree with him from time to time, but... He um, thinks that I am very good at it, and so uh, I'm blessed. And uh, he did give me a card this morning that says, no matter what life throws at you, you don't have an ugly husband. So wasn't that a nice Mother's Day card? <laughs> it's true, and I am blessed. We might take our mothers for granted. Very often we do, we all do, until we meet someone who doesn't have one or who has lost their mom or, or um, had an abusive mom, perhaps. My husband and my mom developed a very special bond when she lived with us for the last two years of her life. She lived at our house. And they um, developed a, a really special bond. It was Rick's upper, first opportunity to live in a home with a mom. And she loved him. She worshipped him. As a matter of fact, she thought he hung the moon. He, uh, they, they had a, a, a great relationship. I remember my mom saying to me one time, um, Honey, does it bother you that me and Ricky are so close? She called him Ricky all the time. And I said, No, Mother, it doesn't bother me. And as a matter of fact, the last coherent thing she said on this earth is, is Ricky home yet? <laughs> she didn't know what she was talking about because she was in the hospital, but she loved him and he loved her. And I'm thankful that he had the opportunity to live with a mom and to get to see all that that entails. Uh, we have another special mom in our life, um, Miss Betty. And... Uh, if you're watching this morning, Miss Betty, we love you, and we thank God for you. She is a, a precious, precious lady in our church who many, many, many years ago, uh, after hearing Rick's story, she just came and she adopted him, and she said, I will be your mom. And she has mommed him all these years, and she is a, a beautiful um, woman of God, and we are so thankful for her, so we honor her again um, today as well. When my children were young and I had the opportunity to speak on Mother's Day, I often spoke about raising kids because, you know, your ministry is the overflow of what's in you, and that's what I was doing. And so I often talked about raising kids. Now, there are many scriptures in the Bible about raising children. 
And if you don't know what they are, go look in the back of your Bible. There's probably a topical index back there. And you can look up raising children. You can look up parental duties, responsibilities, training up a child, things like that. And your Bible will lead you to many, many scriptures that God made available for you to um, raise kids. And you need those. They are ultimately important. I took my job very seriously raising my children. I had read that God was going to hold me accountable for the things that I did on this earth, and he called me to raise these kids. And so I remember telling them when they were teenagers, um, just because you don't like the training does not relieve me of my duties. And so I am going to train you up for 18 years, and then you'll be on your own. Um, Seasons come and seasons go in the life of a mom, but a mother's love never ends. We endure sleepless nights when our children are little, and we endure sleepless nights when our children are teenagers, and we may endure sleepless nights when our children become adults. The empty nest season almost did me in. I will never forget that day that I shut off the porch light and locked the door because nobody was coming home. And it broke my heart. I spent many Sundays at the altar just crying out to God. As a matter of fact, there was a lady in our church at that time who had a brand new little baby girl. And I was so tempted to go to her and say, don't get too attached to that thing because it's going to leave you. <laughs> but I didn't because she wouldn't have appreciated that. You know, we find our identity as women very often uh, as moms. And, you know, men usually find their identity in what they do. So when men meet each other for the first time, they usually say, what do you do? And that's really how they identify themselves. And as women, we identify ourselves as mothers for a while. Watching our sons and daughters grow up and become parents themselves, it can be a daunting experience because we long to get involved. After all, we know how to do it. <laughs> and uh, we have to stay out of it because it's their turn. I remember meeting a lady who, uh, whose daughter had a little baby, her oldest, or her first grandchild, actually, and she told me, she said, when my daughter comes over with that baby, I take it and I take over. And she, her daughter said to her one day, Mom, could I be the mom now? And she said, no. As long as I live, I will always be the mom. And I thought to myself, golly, I bet you they're not going to visit you very often. Because we had our turn. If you are anywhere near my age, you've done that. And uh, it is time for our kids to raise their kids. It is a part of these seasons of motherhood. You may think of motherhood as a role for young women, but it is a lifelong journey. Your role changes. Your heart will not, but your role will. Anyway, a month or so ago, I was talking to God uh, about a situation with one of my daughters, and uh, I made a big bullet point right here. This is something I... I I decided to throw in one of the most important things that you can do is teach your children to talk to God. And, you know, prayer, you might call it, but it's really just talking to God. And when I pray, I talk to God just like I'm talking to you right now. And I, I, I 
should do that every day. I hope that I do that every day. This particular day, I was deep in conversation with my father, my heavenly father, about a situation with one of my daughters. And, you know, I tell him everything. He already knows, but he wants to hear it from me anyhow. And I was telling him about the situation, and I, I remember um, saying something to defend myself. I think uh, I was feeling misunderstood, and I, I may have said, well, I never. And immediately the Holy Spirit rose up on the inside of me, and he, and he said, really? You want to think about that? You know, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me and you, and he will respond immediately if you'll talk to him. And immediately I felt like I was saying, yeah, but I never do this and I never do that. And, and just immediately in my soul, I got this, are you sure? And right away I knew, I knew that I was wrong. And that my thoughts and my feelings and my reactions, you know what? They're not always accurate. As a matter of fact, I had deceived myself. And I realized that the things that I was thinking, the way that I was feeling, they were wrong. And God, you know, he so lovingly corrects us when we're wrong. He doesn't yell. He doesn't holler. He he doesn't even get upset. He might challenge your thinking. And it caused me to realize that, yeah, what I was thinking that I never did, I actually had been doing. And anyway, God reminded me of a book that I read many, many years ago when my kids were little. It was called The Blessing. It's just a, it was a, a paper, an old paperback book. I don't even know where it came from. But it was written by John Trent and Gary Smalley, and it's called The Blessing. I would recommend it. I would recommend that you get it and that you read it. And I want you to know that I read it when my kids were little. And just last month, God brought it to my mind again. And he wanted me, instead of defending myself, to give my child my blessing. And I want to tell you about that today because in that prayer, in that season of prayer, I had been asking God, what do you want me to share for Mother's Day? And as I was writing in my prayer journal one day, I heard him say, tell them about the blessing. Tell them that. And so my message to you today is from the heart of God, and it is about the blessing. And it comes from the Bible, from Genesis chapter 27. And that's the story of Isaac. And um, Isaac and Rebekah had uh, two sons at that time, Esau and Jacob. The boys were twins, but they weren't identical. They were very, very different. And Isaac, who was old, the Bible tells us, called his oldest son, his firstborn, and he called him to his bedside and he said, I want you to go out into the field. He was a hunter. Esau was. He said, I want you to go out into the field and I want you to hunt some game and then make that savory stew that you make that I really love and bring it back to me so that I can eat it and then I'm going to give you my blessing. And so Esau uh, took off in obedience to do that. Well, in the next room, I always imagine, was Rebecca, Isaac's wife. And she overheard this conversation and she called the other son, Jacob, and she said, Jacob, here's what I want you to do. 
She said, I want you to go out into the barnyard and get a goat and bring it in, and we're going to prepare it, and I'm going to make that dish that your dad just loves. And then you're going to take it in there and give, bring it to your dad and tell him that you are your brother. And you're going to get the blessing. And, and Jacob, I always kind of imagined that he was a mama's boy for some reason. He said, well, how can I do that? You know, I don't look like my brother. I don't smell like my brother. I don't feel like my brother. He's not going to fall for it. And she said, she devised a plan. And she said, just do it. And so they did. They, they pulled off this scheme. They took it in there. And at first, um, Isaac was um, confused. Um, but he actually gave his firstborn blessing to Jacob, his secondborn. And then Esau came back home with his game, with his savory stew, and he brought it into his father, and his father said, what's going on? I've already given my blessing. And Esau, the Bible tells us, he was devastated he was despondent. In fact, we're told that he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me. Oh, my father, bless me also. Don't you have a blessing for me? And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. Now, the author of the book, The Blessing, I don't know if it was John Trent or Gary Smalling, but one of them said this. He said, all of a sudden, as I sat in my study, it was like Almighty God opened my eyes and the scales fell off. Now I had a name for the incredible longing that I had felt for my entire life and had witnessed in so many that I had counseled. I had missed the blessing. So many around us have never experienced their parents' approval or their blessing. I was one. I never felt like I was good enough in my parents' eyes. I never felt like they approved of me or were proud of me. Many people live their whole life trying to gain the love and the approval of those that were intended to give it, and they're left empty or broken. Now, before this turns into a sad story, I want you to know that um, about two weeks, maybe a week before my mother died, she did embrace me and tell me for the very first time in my life that she was so very proud of me. And I thank God for that. But I want you to know, even if your earthly parents never told you that, that your heavenly Father most definitely loves you and has a blessing for you. He wants you to be blessed he loves you unconditionally. And that's what the blessing is. The blessing is unconditional love and approval. And you have that from your Father in heaven. He loves you unconditionally. And he approves of you. I don't want you to live your life with a void. Because you can be filled on the inside with the love, the approval of your heavenly Father. And I submit to you today that if you didn't get it from your parents, it's probably because... They never received it. You know, they can't give away something they don't possess. A very wise woman told me many, many years ago, she was in counseling, and she came to my house, and she said, my counselor told me if my mom had $10 in her purse, she could give it to me, right? But if she doesn't, she can't. 
And so our parents, our loved ones, our families, they can't give us what they don't possess. And I submit to you, if you did not receive the blessing from your parents, they probably never received it from theirs. So today, you can give the blessing, and I'm going to show you how. According to the book, The Blessing, by John Trent and Gary Smalley, there are five elements to it. And the first one is appropriate, meaningful touch. Now, this is something we've been robbed of in this COVID season, and that is um, showing affection to other people with touch. And now I'm talking about appropriate touch and affection. It's so easy to snuggle little kids, little babies. Little Etta gives the best snuggles. But older kids need hugs and affection too. Parents need hugs and affection. Grandmas need hugs and affection. Appropriate, meaningful touch is one of the ways that you bless your children, your family members. Teenagers may cringe when you try to hug them, but they need it nonetheless. Mothers are generally the ones that do most of the nurturing, but dads, your children need to be hugged by you as well. Jacob was at least 40 years old, the Bible tells us, when his father Isaac called him to his bedside and said, come close and kiss me, my son. He, in essence, was asking for a big bear hug. This was part of the blessing. The second step is spoken or written message. We all know that words have incredible power. They can tear you down or build you up. Many of you maybe would remember being praised as a child. You remember those words of affirmation that you received. And you might also remember some negative words that you received. Your words mean things. God created the universe with words. He tells us in the book of James that word, that life and death is in the power of our tongue. And he t gives us some word pictures. He tells us about what a, a little spark can do to cause a massive um, forest fire and how just a little rudder on a ship has the power to turn that massive vessel from one direction to another. He talks about putting the bit, a bit in the, in the mouth of a horse. I was raised with horses. They are powerful animals, but that bit in their mouth gives you control over them. You can make them go where they don't want to go. Your words are powerful like that. And so our words must be used for good to build up and to not tear down. When you withhold words of blessing to your loved ones, they will go in search for it somewhere else. Some of them will become overachievers, always trying to do more and more and more to gain your approval. And it's not just any words that are needed, but words of high value. Words of high value. That is the third element of the blessing, is attaching high value to your child. To value something means that it is important to you, and it builds love and security and confidence in your kids. The scripture tells us that we are to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Why do we bless him? We recognize how important he is, and we are assigning high value to him. 
So how do you assign high value to your kids? Well, in scripture, they used word pictures. And a word picture can convey an attitude or a feeling. You might say something like, we only go on vacation once in a blue moon. Or you might say, if you're feeling ill, I'm under the weather. Or maybe if you do an easy task, you say, well, that was a piece of cake. Well, those word pictures aren't to be taken literally, but they do convey a feeling and an emotion. And so in the Bible, word pictures were used to convey high value. Let's go back to Genesis. When Jacob blessed his three sons, he used word pictures to attach high value to them. He painted word pictures that were appropriate for each individual child. For example, Judah, he depicted as a lion cub. A lion per portrayed strength and royalty and leadership. And he was trying to tell his son that you will be a leader and you have strength of character. He pictured Naphtali as a, uh, a doe, which I thought I found kind of funny because that's a female deer. But Naphtali was an artistic person. And Jacob pictured the beauty and the grace of a gentle animal to his son to, to paint that word picture. His son was one who spoke and wrote beautiful words. And then Joseph was described as a fruitful bough by a spring. And this illustration showed Joseph's unfailing trust in the Lord, which ultimately allowed him to provide a place of protection and provision for his whole family during the famine. So these word pictures meant something to those people in that day. They wouldn't mean anything to your kids, perhaps. And so to paint a word picture with your kids, you need to pick an everyday object. Solomon talked about his beloved by saying, her eyes are like a dove. And every time she saw a dove, she had to think, wow, he thinks I'm beautiful. He also said, her neck is like the Tower of David. I always think of Mark Lowry's song, you know, where he made her look like a giraffe. But the Tower of David was a high fortress that was, it, it uh, emanated strength and security and confidence. Jesus called Peter a rock when Peter was nothing like a rock. He denied the Lord three times. But Jesus was painting a word picture of what was to be. And that brings me to the fourth point, which is picturing a special future. For your child. Feeling and believing that the future is hopeful. Listen, there are so many people with no hope out there today. I know that I know that the God who created me and called me to this time and season has a plan and a purpose for our children. And that he will protect them and provide for them. And he will lead them and guide them just like he did you and me in the seasons that we have lived through. When you picture a special future for your children, you're actually showing them that you believe in their future, and that you believe in, in them. When Isaac blessed his son, he spoke about the future. He spoke about land and flocks and herds and honor. And at that time, um, his son had none of those things. He was picturing a future. He was imagining a future. 
that would be special and would be good and would bring his child security. So picturing a special future will give your child something to strive for, something to believe in. And that brings me to the last element of the blessing, and that is an act of genuine commitment. And the best way to illustrate this is to tell you the story that the author wrote in the book. The story is about a teacher in a classroom, and um, half the class was failing. And he, the teacher had arranged the dust so that uh, they were arranged according to your grade level, your current grades. And so everybody in the back of the room was failing. And it was a horrible class. They all hated it. And one Monday morning when they arrived at school, there was a different teacher there. The old teacher had been reassigned. And the new teacher said something that changed their lives forever. He said, if anyone fails this class, then I have failed. I make a commitment, a commitment to do whatever it takes to see that each one of you not only enjoy this class, but learn the material and succeed in this class, which happened to be geometry. He committed to tutor students, even on the weekends if necessary. Nearly every Saturday morning he came and he helped students with their homework. And he, he stayed and he played volleyball just for fun with them. Well, I guess you can imagine the turnaround in that class. It was huge. Instead of being the class that they dreaded, it was a class that they looked forward to. And on the last day of school, when the teacher posted their grades, they had all passed. And some even got A's for the first time in their lives in math class. You should have seen it. They all jumped around. They hugged each other. And all because one man committed himself to a bunch of students to not give up on them. In the school of life, children desperately need adults who will make that same kind of active, genuine commitment to them to encourage them when they're weak, to hug them when they're hurting, to praise them when they're strong, and to recognize and develop their potential. So these five elements, they're all aspects of giving the blessing. And, and, and you don't give your blessing to your children, to your parents, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your family just once, but you do it again and again and again. It's Mother's Day. And mothers are to be honored today. My gift to you moms is this teaching because it came from the heart of God. And it's something that I learned 30 years ago, 25 years ago perhaps. But I needed to hear it again. It came from the heart of God and he wanted me to tell you about it. I want to say this. If you don't hear from your children today, moms, call them. Don't sit home and be sad. Call them up and say, because of you, I'm a mom, and this is a special day, and I love you, and I believe in you. Tell them in your spoken word or in your written word that you value them and that they are important to you. If you can, hug them. Hug them, hold them maybe a little bit longer than it is comfortable. Paint a word picture for them that describes what you see. And use words and pictures that will relate to them, everyday objects that they can understand. 
and picture a special future for them. Describe positive things that will take place in their life, a future that they can look forward to. It might be a new home. It might be a spouse. It might be children. It might be that great job that they hope for. Remember, Jacob described fields and flocks before even one of them came to be. And then make a genuine, active commitment to walk beside them and help in any ways that you can. Remember that the blessing is a gift of unconditional love and acceptance no matter what their age is, no matter what they've done. It's unconditional. Have I always been a great mother? No. Have I always been a great daughter? No. God is the only perfect parent. On our own, we are not capable. But we're not on our own. Through God's correcting me, he brought me this message so that I could share it with you today. I want to say to you that if you've made mistakes, you are forgiven. If you haven't made mistakes, you will. <laughs> Today, moms, we honor you and the most important job that you do. There is nothing more important that you could do on the face of the earth than raising children. There is nothing. You will never be done this side of heaven. Although your role will change, you will love them until the end. There will be no end to the bond that God gave you. And lastly, I want to say, moms, that you, you are a gift. You are a beautiful, beautifully wrapped package with a silver velvet bow. You are a treasure more worthy, more valuable than silver or gold. You are a very, very necessary part of God's plan. You are a beautiful representation of the Father's heart. You have a glorious future prepared for you in heaven. And the love and the commitment that the Father has to walk with you, it will never end. So there, now you have my blessing. And I pray that you will share it. If I could hug you, I would. I pray that you will share the blessing that God intended for you with everyone that you come in contact with. Happy Mother's Day. I love you.